gentlemen, start your engines. Oh, this will be good. Welcome again to the Scrapyard. How on earth was this two weeks? I refuse to believe it. Actually, I blame sneaking in a birthday along the way in the middle there. Time does fly when you're getting older. An exciting special this week. It's a very Hearthstone autumn here at the Scrapyard. After the last chat with Cam Shea this week, I was given some time with two members of the Hearthstone design team. So big thanks to Blizzard for that access to talk about their design process. And it was a lot of fun. Liv Breeden is part of the initial design team. So she works on concepts and ideas from their earliest stages of prototyping, while Stephen Chang is in final design. So he's all about perfecting ideas, making sure they're well-balanced and bringing that final package together. From concept to finished cards with a particular deep dive into the evolution of Twin Spell as a really good example of of reworking some older ideas but still finding different sort of ideas that came up along the way, we explore some of all those latest things that are arriving in this newest set, Rise of Shadows, as well as the general art of creating cards for the game. Wait until you hear how excellent their concepting tools are now. That should be a game all of its own. Look, yeah, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate the time. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of really excited about the set and it feels like a lot of other people are kind of getting really good, good vibes from what we're seeing. And what I think is kind of really interesting and you know, maybe this is kind of a, a good launch pad for this discussion is that idea of it seems like we're getting past concepts with new twists um, and, you know, and still sort of lots of kind of fresh ideas. But, you know, I'm just curious from your perspective, you know, how do you sort of drive that balance of coming up with brand new things versus evolving older ideas um you know and are there people you know on a mix of different things of reinventing ideas versus creating entirely new things or is it entirely organic you know yeah how have you guys approached this stuff uh yeah i mean it depends card to card right uh for for rise of shadows we really well, we have these iconic villains from hearthstone uh and we really wanted to get their so we wanted to get these throwback cards that, so like Hagatha's got, uh, I guess, we, oh, we can talk about this, right? <laughs> so they've got a, she has an echo healing spell, so we got to do echo again. Uh, so, and then Boom's got, um, what does he have? Uh, Omega. Omega, that's what it is, Omega. right. So we have all these throwback cards. Um, those actually came in like halfway through initial design. They weren't like right off the bat. We weren't sure that we really wanted to do throwback cards. We were like, hey, these are villains that we've seen before, and they've got cool mechanics associated with them. Let's let's bring back those. Uh, and heck of this card is it doesn't actually have the, the keyword echo on it, but but it's, it's close enough. It's still <laughs> a reference to that um, the the previous set, yeah. 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 And um, in terms of, of whether or not there's like specific people in charge of, of doing these sort of designs, of um, we generally take an organic approach in terms of how the the theme of the set um speaks towards the design and for a set like this where we're 
um, where a lot of characters from previous sets were, were, were sort of the star of it, um, it made a lot more sense for us to revisit some of the previous mechanics. And um, whereas if, if there's a different set that, that doesn't have those sort of thematic hooks, then it, it might be something we wouldn't um, explore in, in that type of set. Yeah, and for Twin Spell, we, we actually didn't say, we didn't start out by saying, hey, let's make, a, let's make Echo, but better. Uh, we started with, hey, we've got these defenders of Dalaran. How can we do, how, how can we best represent the most magical in the world? Uh, and then we, we came, we worked towards Twin Spell. We actually had spells that had uh, charges on them. And we have various costs, various charge amounts. So you could do it like three or four times. Uh, but we ended up just doing it twice because it felt like the right number. It didn't get repetitive. You got to do it twice. You felt like you got some value out of it. Um, and it made us, we could do more, um, for Echo, they would be very dangerous designs. Like like um, Ray of Frost is impossible to print on an Echo card. But as something you can do twice in Mage, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, so what we found for Echo um, was primarily most most, if not all, of the Echo cards were two to three mana. Um, things that were one mana were a little too powerful um, when you could um, spam them infinitely. And things that were bigger than that didn't make as much sense because you didn't have as much of a choice. And so for something like Twin Spell, we were able to explore. Um, we have a card we're showing tomorrow called uh, Rapid Fire for Hunter. It's, it's, the, it's the Hunter Twin Spell. And that one um, uh, is deal one damage. And but you could do it twice because it's a chunk spell, but something like that for Echo wouldn't be something we would probably do. Right, with spell damage, that just yeah. scales so astronomically. Exactly. Um, and uh, it also allows us to do very big spells that can have the effect, like uh, like Forest Aid for, for Druid, where it's an 8-mana it's an spell, and that's something that we couldn't do with Echo. So Yeah, it's exciting to be like, hey, what is the 8-mana, what is the 10-mana, mm-hmm. what do those look like? Yeah, I love that because, look, as as someone who's a very middle-of-the-road ranked ladder player, um, I would always sit on an Echo way too long because I'm thinking, oh, I, w- I want to get all <laughs> the value. Um, whereas, exactly. Yeah, Twin Spell, you know, seeing that there's some at the bottom end and some sort of higher up, it, it, it gives you that complete spectrum to play with and you know that it's like, all right, I'm going to use this, I get to use it one more time, and whether that oh. is the eight-mana um, you know, monster, uh, I think... It, it does feel like that there's sort of a nice evolution of the concepts that were attached to Echo. Um, and also, though, as you say, the Hagatha card sounds like it's quite cool that that you're still, you know, you're still happy to kind of have that concept around. It's just that this is a really nice way to sort of evolve it into something different. Yeah, and then if you are one of those players who likes to sit on cards forever, we still have the scheme. So if you want to join the evil side, you can sit on Hagatha's scheme and wait until the perfect time to play that card. Yeah, and the other cool thing about Twin Spell is for some of the bigger Twin Spells, like um, Unleash the Beast and for uh, Forsay, your opponent will know that you have the other copy in your hand. So at that point, it changes how they might approach the next turn because they have to like plan around you having the second copy. And and, and that sort of information is, is really cool and it's something that Echo didn't have because when you played an Echo card, you, you generally would have to play them all um, mm-hmm. that turn. So your opponent didn't have as much of a chance to... Um, to respond to the second half. So there's a bit more strategy in, in how how Twin Spell gets played and, and how your opponent can respond to them. So. We, also, we also had to watch out on uh, Twin Spell because, I mean, there's nothing worse than knowing your opponent has a flame strike and you're like, well, I got to play into this. 
so we didn't do a, we didn't do any twin spells that cleared boards because we played with those and they just it feels so awful to know that your opponent has that. Uh, you just don't want to play cards anymore. That's a really that's a really good point. Uh, yeah, whereas I think the um, uh, the, the druid one kind of has that, I guess, ops effect where you know someone's going to be able to fill the board soon, but that's quite different to knowing that they're just going to be able to clear your board <laughs> next time you play something. Yeah. Um, look, yeah, while we're sort of discussing Twin Spell, I'm curious, um, you know, how early stage playtesting actually kind of works these days. You know, you mentioned that idea of of playing with charges and ideas like that. I'm, you know, curious, do you, you know, how are you prototyping these days when it comes to that, that sort of early version of playtesting? Do you have sort of easy tools to work with? Are you, are you still mocking up, uh, you know, physical cards? You know, what kinds of sort of things <laughs> do you do to, to play around with this stuff? Yeah, we luckily don't have to do physical copies. Our, our tool set is actually pretty sophisticated. Um, we can we have a visual scripting language, so we can just it's it's kind of like Mad Libs, where you just plug in what you want to happen, and uh, as long as it's within like reason, like uh, Twin Spell is like not that different than add a card to your hand. Yeah, uh, and then we just mark it to not do it again. Um, so we can we can prototype and playtest Twin Spell or charges pretty easily. It gets a little more hairy when it's something that Hearthstone hasn't done before. Uh, that's when we get into a space of, hey, we might need engineering, or we'll just hack it together really messily, and they'll fix it later. <laughs> <laughs> that, that happens a lot. <laughs> I'm also curious about how you um, sort of create the the kind of the, the development process, given that you guys are both at sort of opposite ends of that spectrum, you know, um, how does that sort of handoff process, how does the creative cycle sort of operate? Um, you know, I imagine it's a close-knit team, but that at some point, you know, those cool early ideas that are being created need to be passed down the line. Um, you know, how do things get handed off? Do things ever actually get scrapped? You know, do, Liv, do you find out one day that that some cool idea you thought you had has has disappeared off the face of the earth because someone else didn't like it? You know, um, how, do, yeah. how does that process work? It, uh, yeah, it's actually pretty cool. We're, we're getting better at it as we go on. Now we have a final design week during initial design where the final designers will stop balancing whatever set they're working on and we'll come work on whatever initial design is working on. They'll play through the mechanics. Uh, you guys give us like a pretty decent, hey, we think we can ship this or maybe we can't. Um, I mean, it's usually not like a numbers thing so much as a mechanical check-in where they're like, hey, this mechanic just doesn't feel like it's going to work. It doesn't feel like it can be balanced in a proper way, the way you want this fantasy to be fulfilled. And then we'll try and figure out something else. Um, so essentially the, the, the first half of the secretion, um, is sort of owned by the initial design team and, but, but we're constantly talking to each other in terms of like the type of things that, that they're working on. And we have like regular play tests where we'll, we'll see the, the, the cards that, that they're making and mechanics that they're exploring and provide feedback on that. Um, and then, and, and like Liv said, we have a cross where we, where, where we get the stuff for a week to, to really deep dive into it and, and provide a more specific feedback on, on um, mechanics and cards and, and, and things like that. And then at, at a certain point, there is a handoff where, um, where the, the final design team takes us set. And from there, we'll, we'll iterate, change cards, but we're, whenever we do that, we're in constant communications with the initial design team because things that we change will affect things that, that 
um, that listing is responsible for as well. And so, um, well, you should have discussions on if it's a particularly big change to make sure that we're all on the same page and and um, and everyone's comfortable with the the types of change that we want to do. And so, um, it's a very very collaborative um, effort, and and we're, and communication is is extremely key. Yeah, and I mean, things have gotten cut in Final Design. Like, yes. uh, we had Ghostly in Witchwood, which mm -hmm. became Echo, yep. uh, because it was just, it was a feel-bad mechanic whenever you drew it or if something got out of your hand and you really wanted to play it, but you just couldn't, and then it gets discarded immediately. Mm -hmm. There's interesting decisions to make there, but, like, Final Design has to make the call, is this fun or not? Yep. And, I don't know. And, I, so, and yeah. for that mechanic in particular, we we enjoyed a lot of the cards that were that were ghostly and um, there there were some designs that we didn't enjoy and so we we thought about it and then we came up with the idea of, of doing echo and that specifically called towards the cards that were fun that we really enjoyed uh, from the previous mechanic and then so we honed in on those and that became the mechanic for the set because those were um, all positive in terms of uh, feeling of, of you of you getting your hand and you having a lot more choice and so um is it's sort of the natural iteration of it and whether or not the iteration happens in an initial or in final um we're in communications um with each other and um initial has a has a somewhat different mindset in terms of how they approach certain card or, or design viewpoints of the set and as opposed to what what final design will do and so it's good to have the differing viewpoints because that's sort of what shapes them the entirety of an expansion and it, it really is a balance and and i think i've become a better designer under this system where you pass off the set to a different group of people who haven't worked under worked on it for 16 weeks or however long right uh and you just have to trust them and you you have to trust the people you work with and it i think it actually makes for better sets if we do that I'm curious about the whole idea of, I guess, at this stage, you know, core versus set keywords. I think the fact that we're also, um, as you as you sort of mentioned earlier, that we're revisiting all of these sort of past villains um, really has opened the door to playing with a lot of old ideas. But, uh, you know, looking at things like Rush and Discover that sort of came from old sets, it feels like they're here to stay and, you know, regularly made appearances now um, while adapt seemed like something that was very you know associated with the flavor of angoro as well so you know does set flavor versus just how well something sort of works do those kinds of things feed into whether or not different kinds of effects will continue to make appearances down the track yeah i think so definitely like part of its design space part of its flavor like angoro is like adapt is a very cool mechanic for journey to angoro and it I mean, we still want to measure out how much our players need to remember. Uh, and adapt is a cool mechanic, and if we want to bring it back, we'll bring it back for a set. But I don't think it would ever become an evergreen because it's just such a, I don't know, it's, it's kind of niche for the knowledge that you need to make it work. Um, yeah. Um, for example, like a mechanic like Discover or a mechanic like Rush, um, we kind of have an idea of the types of cards that we can do with them, but there's a, a lot of, of ways to interact with those mechanics and, and it's very open and there's so much to explore and they were also mechanics that our community really enjoyed and, and and they wanted to see more of and so we take a lot of that to, into consideration when we're we're thinking about types of keywords that we want to to um to go on into future sets and um we're very protective of the number of keywords that that we have in hearthstone um but 
if a specific keyword makes sense to be an evergreen keyword, then we will keep it on like we did with uh, Lifesteal and, and yeah. Rush and, and, um, Life, and, and Lifesteal is a really interesting one because I remember putting that, I was the one who quit it on Blood Queen, Blood Queen Lanethel because I was like, this is a character we have to have in Ice Crown. She's a vampire and she just says Lifesteal on it and people are like, what does this card do? And they all, everyone had their own conceptions of what Lifesteal is. Uh, but it was, it was on one card, but it was such a compelling mechanic that we blew it out and we yeah. made it a lot more prevalent across multiple <laughs> sets. That's really cool. So last couple of things. One is, uh, yeah, Stephen, your work around deck recipes, and particularly I'm really you know, loving, and I think a lot of people are loving, the new smart builder out there. <laughs> um, yeah, there's awesome. a, a lot of kudos out there around that. And you're curious how the thinking has evolved around the whole idea of deck recipes. I mean, they're not really that old within sort of the, you know, the interface either. Um, but, you know, how how you've continued to make sure that they are keeping up with what's going on lately and then, you know, what kind of sort of systems or AI is lurking under the hood to actually help people find synergies automatically based on what's in their, their library of cards. Yeah. Um, so the idea behind deck recipes initially was to, um, sort of provide a framework for um, for players that aren't um, as excited about deck building as as um, they might be. And deck building is a, a quite difficult thing to do, and and it's not it's not for everybody. And so we we wanted to sort of provide these templates that um, players could look towards that and give them inspiration on on, on types of decks they might be able to explore in expansion. Um, and then. Um, a lot of the deck recipes previously were were mostly focused on the flavor and um, and uh, and showcasing the, the the set mechanics and, and and some of the core themes for the expansion. And then when we made uh, Wizbang, uh, we knew that we wanted them to tie into the deck recipes. And so at that point, the recipes evolved a bit to be a, a bit more geared towards. Um, playing on the ladder and and so they've sort of evolved in that way and the smart deck builder um specifically was sort of to help bridge that gap of of people who wanted to explore different archetypes outside of the deck recipes and um our global insights team did a fantastic job of helping us with that and and there's a really great blog by uh tian he's one of our data scientists and and he he sort of deep dives into into what went on into the creation of that and, and we we worked really closely with him on um sort of the the niche scenarios that you might encounter as you're deck building and and types of uh, things like that and um and it's great that people have been responding so well to it yeah, and look, as somebody who got very lucky and opened a golden whiz bang, I <laughs> adore playing because suddenly it makes me look like I have the coolest collection ever because everything comes out gold. Um, oh, and yeah. it is just, yeah, I, I appreciate it. So please keep working on those decks so that I can keep playing my oh. whiz bang. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, and Liv, I wanted to ask you about uh, the whole art of voice lines and descriptions when I spoke to. Oh, sure. Um, ben Thompson last year, he mentioned that, you know, you guys even, you'll, you'll share spreadsheets around and sort of try to open up some crowdsourcing of, of cool ideas for uh, for flavor text and different things like that. I, I'd love to, you know, hear some of your thoughts on that process and some of your uh, favorite things. Uh, yeah, I, I actually, VO is one of my favorite things to do, writing art descriptions, writing dialogue, 
and then going to the, the recording studio and just watching the voice actors. It's, it's probably one of my favorite things to do in the design cycle. Um, as far as like favorite lines, I think weirdly enough, the one from this expansion that I like the most is Sludge Slurper. It's not actually any voice. It's like a Murloc, right? But it's just like, I don't know, like gobbling down muck. I don't know. It's just the grossest sounding uh, voice line. And it just makes <laughs> me laugh every time I play it. Um, I, I happened to be helping out initial design for a bit um, as, as some of the VO lines were being written for Rise of Shadows. And I, I actually was able to slip one in, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. and it's, it's a card that we're showing in, in the in the live stream tomorrow. And it's uh, the Curantor TriCaster. And, and her art description is she's holding a staff and, and she has um, these magical strands that are coming out of it. And, and one's fire, one's uh, ice, and one's arcane. And so her, 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 her come to play line is, um, Char, chill, or sparkle, and that sort of calls back to fire, ice, or hurricane, and and it was really cool to be able to contribute in that way because that <laughs> that's something that that uh, final designers don't get to do very often, and so um, that was really exciting. That's really cool. Um, and so, how far ahead do you guys work in the cycles these days? You know, are you you know are you already thinking beyond the year of the dragon, or is it really still? Uh, you know, there's there's two sets to go. I, I personally, I'm actually really excited by the idea that there's a bit of a a conceptual through line for this whole year with the uh, you know with the, with the villains trying to to take over Azeroth. So you know, it, it feels like there's there's a lot of cool stuff ahead. But um, I imagine you guys, you know, yeah, you're like a chess game. You're always three moves ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm super excited about the the full year story. It's something that. Has been like teased even internally, where they're like, "Hey, what if what if we bring about these these evil villains to do nefarious things for you?" And I'm like, "That sounds really cool." We finally we're finally doing it. I'm so excited about it. Uh, but we are about a year in advance right now. We're, we're three or four weeks into next year's uh, spring launch. So yeah. and uh, on final design, we're working on the final set this year right now. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I hope you still have enough time to to chill out and enjoy actually playing Hearthstone and not just always building it. <laughs> yeah. Thank sure. you so much and appreciate your time. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. And so that's it for another visit to the Scrapyard. I'm Seamus Byrne. You can find the archives from this and all my other shows at biteside.com or you can track me down on Twitter. I'm at Seamus. Keep the feedback coming. Hit me via scrapyard at biteside.com or just kick back and wait for the next episode. Until then...